Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest Anfield Index Under Pressure podcast. My name's Dan Kennett, and with me um, for the final non-Liverpool match-related pod, thank God, before we get back to normality, it's going to be a question and answer session. We're going to be taking them all. Uh, equally, but I do have a full house to help me out with this. First of all, I got my uh, our resident video analyst and data collection guru, Mr. Daniel Rhodes. Evening, Rhodesy. Evening, mate. I've enjoyed the cricket. I've enjoyed the World Cup knockout games. Um, and I didn't see some cracking NFL matches yesterday as well. The, I didn't see any of the friendly Liverpool friendly either yesterday. So, <laughs> well, we're not. We, we good news is we don't have any questions about the Liverpool friendly. <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> and I have our dynamic sports science duo. First of all, he's had more clubs than he's had more Premier League clubs than Tiger Woods. It's Mr. Simon Brundish. Evening, Si. Evening, boys. We got some footy coming back next week. I'm very proper, excited. Proper footy. Actual footy. Yeah, I, and I heard. Um, that you're you're being a pussy and your training's been called off because of a, a little bit of sleet. Is that right? Oh God, shoot me! <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been out there with your shorts, wouldn't you? Had <laughs> your sleeveless vest. Well, worse than that, we've got no heating or hot water, so it's like that in my <clears throat> kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, uh, and you might have heard him chuckling there. He's like he's broadcasting live from his ivory tower. It's Professor <laughs> Phil Barter. How are we doing, Phil? boys? How are we doing? I was going to say, sir, I saw a video of you earlier, but you had trousers on. I was very upset that you weren't wearing shorts <laughs> outside. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just something that happened to me like two years ago. Up to that point, I'd never worn trousers in my life in, yeah, in any kind of training setting. You were literally just born in shorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shorts in the snow. And but then, pulled up socks, yeah. And then COVID hit, and forever, <laughs> I, I just wear trousers now. I'm just too old to wear shorts. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's, too there's old some... or too bold, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. Okay, so we got some Q and A's. We've tried. We, we've asked on the Twitter, and we've asked on the Under Pressure Chat Discord from our subscribers, and we've got a pretty good cross section. I think some some really good ones, um, some interesting ones which may not get answered, but we'll try. But um, first of all, actually, before we go in, I'm going to lead into the first. Now we've got you, Sai, for this one. We can ask some proper questions. And uh, we had some bad news, bad breaking news over the weekend. Luis Diaz. Um, He's he's going to be out for almost three months. Apparently, what what this is a bit of a bombshell. What what do we know? We don't know an awful lot, to be fair. Um, it's re-injuring of the same knee. Theoretically, it might be a slightly different mechanism than the other <clears throat> side, but like a compensatory thing. Um, so if you if if you basically consider it. Uh, having a seatbelt on uh, and you have one either side of your knee one got strained before um and while while being repaired the other one's just gone now so um yeah, it sucks a little bit but i will have a fatigue index specifically on this with marty later in the week oh excellent that's what everybody wants to hear right okay so okay so it was plenty of diaz insight on his injury and, and all that kind of good stuff with marty exactly Brilliant. Okay, then. Right. But that does lead us nicely into our first question, Sai, which is actually for me, on behalf of um, the Liverpool fan base, right? What is the role of a club doctor? Um, And what is the impact of not having a club doctor? And will a club doctor make an iota of difference to our players getting injured? Because there was a lot of... You said you've never known so much stuff, fuss about a club doctor before. So... What what is the role of a club doctor? Okay, can I answer this in, in reverse order? Yes. No, it won't make the slightest jot of difference to the the injuries of our players, um, because he basically plays no role in in <clears throat> planning or programming or training or lo- planning of training loads or playing loads or anything. Um, it's like. So he's not even head of performance or head of medical or anything. It's just a club doctor. It's, it's basically um, a bureaucratic position because you n- legally need a, uh, a fully licensed doctor on hand um, to ask for certain scans and um, and administer uh, like procedures. So, so is he like a GP for the entire club, effectively? Exactly. So even even Doris the tea lady could go to him and ask for a prescription or something. Not not quite because he he won't even be full time. Right. The procedural side of a medical, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So he'll still have his own <laughs> clinic, um, and he will be uh, hopefully uh, knowing this dude, um, like much more. And you do of know a him, actually, so. filter. Pardon? You do actually know actually know him, don't you? Yeah. Um, so he'll be a specialist Amazing. filter for so uh, for any of our lads that do get injured um, in finding the appropriate uh, surgeon and consultant to to uh, right. administer surgery, and then he disseminates that information 
um, to the right departments to to govern rehab. But he doesn't oversee rehab or anything. Mm. He just, you know, speaks the right languages. Yeah. Uh, so he connects people almost then, yeah? Okay. Um, yeah. Could, in theory, then, going back to Diaz, um, if he'd been in, in place earlier, could he, in theory, have made different choices to how Diaz was operated on and initially and that kind of stuff to what happened? He would have not made one iota difference to what okay. happened. Not, <clears throat> no. Okay. And and if, there, and if there isn't a doctor, the players just go and see a locum. Um, we have a locum, um, you know, or a contractor or something in place, yeah, at Liverpool. Well, there'll be, at any one time, there'll be three or four doctors knocking around. Yeah, which is not so officially on the payroll. Le- le- it's just an official na- label. Yeah, it's like a permi instead of a, a locum. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, all right. Nice and easy. All right, then. Um, okay, on to actual questions, sorry, right? And I'm going to go first of all to um, one from Velo... This is so different. Melo Dakovic, I'm going to say. Velo Dakovic. Um, so apologies if I got that wrong, Velo. Um, so, Sai, is it possible to reach previous levels of intensity with the current squad after the World Cup break without any additions Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I suppose this is... uh, a million-dollar question, this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this might be the single most important um, factor of of how our second half of the season looks. Um, Yeah, ostensibly, yes. Because physiologically, there's no reason why all of the boys have a diminished capacity to run. Yeah. From one seat, from one season to the next, from seven weeks difference. Yeah, there's no reason why they suddenly can't can't uh, sustain the intensity that they could uh, uh, on the last day of May at the beginning of eight, of August. There's no reason. I feel like they had maybe uh, it was more um, psycho psycho issues, psychological issues with driving intent and motivation. Rather than actual physiological, they couldn't provide enough en- energy to their muscles and then recover their, their from the substrates of um, their energy production. I don't think it was that at all. It makes no sense to me. So maybe we can find some kind of external in- and, uh, uh, motivation which leads to some kind of intrinsic stuff that that the boys will push on and recover and be the be the players they could before but physically i don't see there's a reason there will undoubtedly be a be a a, phys- a physical decline august to august in the virgil's a year older yeah henderson's a year older 
So there won't be like suddenly in eight in eight weeks time, Virgil can Virgil's ten percent diminished. Yes. What's going to happen over the course of a se- last season? Because I I think Virgil was spotty at best last season, erratic, and and Henderson dropped off a cliff anyway. Um, <clears throat> is that that they can muster uh, a big physical performance yeah. once every I don't know two weeks, once every three weeks. But it, that that goes from once every three days at their physical peak, and then starts to they need more recovery, and they just find it hard to to push their absolute capacities anymore. That they might be five percent diminished, and then the next game they'll be ten percent diminished because they could, they haven't fully recovered. That's probably why Henderson could have such a big game for England a couple of, last week because he hadn't played for ages. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think I think with a couple of them, it's impossible. But for players like Trent, absolutely, they can they they have full physical capacities they had before. Maybe they hadn't trained quite the same way, but they they can they can delve into that fit the, uh, to those um, the whatever the physical abilities they had previously. So, in one of the things that um, and Bart's will appreciate this. One of the theories I always refer to, you know, in, in when we don't know the exact causes is Occam's razor and that's the, the most likely um uh explanation is that is, is the one which is most likely um and in this case you know surely the most likely Occam's razor principle is that it was a it was a, a coaching and planning issue rather than a massive decline of all the players simultaneously right yeah we, we we've had we've had conversations about this throughout the season and I think <coughs> I, I always was less was a little bit more reluctant than most about like the the they changed how they set up preseason and they got yeah. it all completely wrong. I think probably you might be a little bit more right than I thought, and I think it's probably a culmination of of lots of different factors at the same time: aging lads, injuries to the wrong players, um, and then incorrect planning and a level of. I do believe that the psychology has a is that a huge role, and I wonder how much oh there's another injury, just kind of amplifies that feeling a little bit further. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I do I do hope that there was that that they have learned some um, from their mistakes of of planning. I do hundred percent believe that there were there were errors in in how we set how we scheduled the season from a physical perspective for yeah. sure and on the restart then, given, given that it was hard because no one's ever done it before yeah yeah get on the restart then against Villa and Leicester and then Brentford three games in a week I think we're going to know pretty pretty damn quick whether any lessons have been learned through the through the trip the camp in Dubai aren't we and we're, we're, yeah. we're going to be able to pretty much see straight away what 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 level the players are at right Physically. Uh, absolutely, and if anybody's been watching, <clears throat> I know you've not been watching games, but you watch me spout about numbers. Um, the the physical outputs of the in these World Cup games, they've, they've been huge. Like we, there've, there've been loads of games that are well over one hundred and eighteen, hundred and twenty k, and and we're having twelve and thirteen k distances from from players all over the place, and and um, Liverpool's players in particular have have put in massive shifts. Yeah. For their for their country that they hadn't done for um for Liverpool. Like yeah. Virgil had two games, his two highest distance games and highest um number of sprints than he's made for, for in his in his in any game for three years. Wow. Wow. 
So I, d- I don't know if it's something to do with the weather or yeah. the air conditioning or <clears throat> ga- I don't know. But like you said motivation, yeah, could be yeah. motivation. Yeah, so so they do have the physical capacity. Henderson pre- had massive numbers um, in, in in his two games. The Uruguayan dude who plays for Spurs, I saw he he was put he put some massive numbers over thirteen k. Bensoncourt. Yeah, yeah, Bensoncourt. Yeah, there have been some really really big ones all around, like Brozovic, sixteen and a half in in extra time. Oh yeah, Rosie, you've got to come the, in. The American lads were fourteen k in. Uh, yeah, Ty- Tyler Adams and Musa. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, unbelievable, Musa. I, I, I've I spoke about both, uh, in the group that um, Jude Bellingham got uh, sixteen hundred uh, sixteen hundred eighteen meters of high speed distance, wow. which is anything over twenty k <clears throat> per hour, and that's like it's not elite. It's you should just don't see it. It's absurd. It's happened four times in in the last two years, and never from a midfielder. Um, and Musa is an absolute monster and he's he hits um 16k uh, no 1.6k but um of high speed just not quite as much as as jude yeah some big so yeah we're seeing there. massive numbers so i don't i, I feel like our lads are going to come back in really good shape good Rosie, you were going to come in then all right size so just answered it about the jude stuff. excellent <laughs> yes excellent <laughs> right Rosie, stay on the line because uh, I've got one from Shamik. Now, I know we touched on this last week, but let's build on it a little bit. Because um, So, could you do a profile on Trent in the last three to four seasons versus this season? Are the questions about his def- defensive weakness justified? How is his progressive passing? The eye test suggests that he's cut down on the cross-field ball switches that he used to do two, three times a game. Is this a stylistic change by the team or simply that he's not being as progressive? Now, I know we touched on Trent on the on the... Um, season review pods last week, Rosie. Anything you want to add to that, particularly on the on the defensive side for Trent? Well, what did you find? Um, there's not much in his in his defensive numbers. The tackling range is at 1.9 this season. <clears throat> his range in his career has been 1.4 to 2.2. So there's there's not much in terms of how often he's tackling. Um, he's actually won more tackles this season, 1.4, than his normal average of 0.8. Um, so he's definitely doing more defending. Um, and, yeah, I think one of, one of the questions about him this season has been getting dribbled past. Um, he's making a lot more tackles against players who are dribbling at him, so teams are tested him more. He's made 2.5 this season, but he's also won 60% of them, which is as good as his previous best of 62%, so that's a weird one. Um, but it's definitely so his one v one win rate is sixty two. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty. Yeah. That's pretty good actually. That one sixty two. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the again, best players in the league are about sixty eight, sixty nine, seventy, aren't they? There you go. Exactly that. Um, but he, he is teams are trying to dribble past him more. So that's once every game, and that's pretty much within his range across his career. There's nothing in that. He hasn't made a defined an up to defined error on the ball, leading to a shot or goal this season or last season. Mm. Um, his tackles and interceptions combined is two point eight eight again within his range, um, and his aerial duel rate this season has gone up to sixty percent. Wow. From his career average of 32, so he's, in his career he's been really poor in the air, but this season has been his best. Um, his second in our defence, <coughs> our third if we can include Matic, but he's not got many minutes. Behind Virgil, um, he's ahead of Gomez, which is a shock um, and shouldn't be the case. Your full-back should not be more <laughs> I guess the problem we've got, Rhodesy, is that we, we've only got the limit of these, because these are accounting stats, it's only the events data. Yeah. We haven't got anything about positioning, have we? We haven't, exactly. because we, exactly. it doesn't exist anywhere in, in any... 
publicly available data, that's for sure. That caveat also um, needs to be considered when I do the Fabinho one later because mm. uh, defensive stats are tough. Um, there's not much in those, you know, improved area rates. In terms of the progression, his ball progression this season is the highest it's ever been at 510 yards per night. Um, and interestingly, Trent's ball progression um, distance has gone up every single season um, since he started. It's just been one one way. But is yeah, in terms of his creativity. He's expected assists there down half of last season, 0.2 to 0.4, but he is third in terms of big chance creation, which mm. was last week. He's <clears throat> crossing exactly the same. Do we have uh, anything on switches? Yes, switches are down. Um, they're only half of what he was doing in 1920, so the 1.45 as opposed to three is what they were doing um, in the league. Oh, pretty good. Um, a Shamrock's eye test there, fairly good then. Yeah. If he was saying about three times a game, he was doing switch, yeah? Yeah, he's only, he's only uh, switching 60% of what he was doing last season. So, yeah, um, yeah it's about one every other game, fewer. Um, he's crossing. Like I mean, just can I just bring in Rhodes? Can I just bring in Bart's there, being Bart's? Because this is something we touch on on the individual pods as well. Do you think that the the reduced switches is 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 a stylistic change by the team? Then do you think it's tactical in nature? I think so. I think some of this comes into his role as well. His role change. Uh, he's playing slightly more inside, um, and also finds himself higher up, doesn't he? Into the sort of the as we've. Absurdly early on in the season was in that 10 pocket, wasn't he? Sort of, yeah, you can't like really switch from that anyway. You can't really switch from that. Well, it's not, I don't think it's classified as a switch, is it? Mm. Even if it's, it's just a, a long a, a pass, but yeah. um, I mean, I mean, this kind of nicely leads into the question you've got for one of me later on if you want to do that, but um, yeah, it's I would I think a lot of it is down to the position, yeah, let's do that now. Actually, there's another one on Trent from old yeah. and Cole. Why did Trent's through ball numbers shoot up last season and and in brackets and stay high this season? Question mark. So, similar to Rosie, I looked at it. I've just looked at his passing stats. So, I mean, last season he had um, he had a two hundred percent increase in his through ball rate. Mm. Um, it's just looking at Premier League. Um, that's actually gone down by seventeen percent this season compared to last, uh, but still remains relatively high, should we say, uh, compared with previous previous seasons. Uh, I think it's two one point five five per per ninety this season versus two point one eight in the league uh, per ninety last season. So, but interestingly, his his other metrics are all. Um, if you look at when he stopped, broke into the side in twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, uh, he's uh, just rolling up me uh, me legend here on the graph. Um, his his essentially passes, his crosses, and his switches all continually rose all the way through till twenty twenty which is when they dropped off a bit and his through balls and his switches went up a bit. And then into, that continued in 2022 and obviously 2023, 20, uh, sorry, 21, 2021 and 2022. So those two's last seasons are definitely, I think, to, to uh, towards the role change because uh, you can't switch to play in there. And the ball you would more likely to play, I would say from that point is the through ball. Now, just one thing on through balls, right, chaps. And I'm, Rosie might remember this one. I, I'm sure there was something about Opta changing the measuring stick on this is true. Do we know when that was? Can we remember when that was? Because I'm sure, I'm, yeah, I'm sure that was the case, but I don't know how how many years ago. Uh, might have been. Actually, can you recall it? To be yeah, fair, with a 200% increase in through balls, <clears throat> I would suggest it was the beginning of last season. I guess the thing would be to check then, did other similar creative players also see a massive rise? Yeah. Oh, we'll run, but I mean, if you look at his per 90s, I mean, they're not, 
do you know what I mean? It's not a mat. It's a sort of yeah. It's a little bit hard. I would say that would be the the break marker when that that definition changed. Should we say? Mm. Um, it's because that's a massive <clears throat> increase. Yeah, we can't we can't rule out. I think what we're going to say to Richard, um, we can't rule out a potential change in the measuring stick there. Whenever no. there is such a drastic change, but you're you're definitely thinking there was um, role based changes there as well. Yeah, there's we're, a role based coming from, more interior. Yeah, in well, yeah, role. more more inside, less switches, more through balls is definitely a pattern over the past uh, four four seasons for me for uh, for Trent. Um, I'll post the chart in the chat as usual afterwards. Oh, yeah. right, you got a you put it in the pressure chat. Yeah, because you got a nice you got a yeah. nice face for that. All right. Okay. Uh, Roji, did you have anything else to cover on Trent? No, I would say, um, I haven't got the figures, but I would say when I've collected the pressing this season, um, it's the worst I've seen him in terms of his pressing. There have been a lot more fails, mm. a lot more goals and shots conceded from that side of the pitch. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think there's something in the pressing fails that he's had, and that tells us a lot about maybe, maybe why perceptions have changed, because I, I, I always thought it was a bit of a myth. That everyone focused on his bad defending, but he's certainly done some bad defending this season. Yeah, yeah, this is true. And I think, I think we, uh, I, I've completely forgot to check the pressing, but yeah, I think it would be, I think his his, his efficiency will be the lower, lowest of his career this year. That would be my, that would be my guess. Well, we said last pod that that was one of the things, key things to improve in our post World Cup. Yeah, performance was his form, wasn't it? So yeah, absolutely. What was you said? Just, just for reference on the the uh, through ball thing, the um, De Bruyne, Mares, and uh, Gundogan. I just looked at cities. Uh, all actually went down over the last two years. Okay. 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 So I think it's real. Okay. So roll. So it's tactical roll change. Role change. Yeah. 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 You come inside. You're going to switch less. You're going to play more balls through the middle. I think that was yeah. the point, probably. Yeah. Okay. Because he's got the talent to do both kind of passes because he's so fucking good. Yeah. Right. Coming back to you, Sai. Question from Rick J um, on on Discord. This is something you've mentioned about, but not for a long time. So this is going to chance you to rehash something. Is there a correlation between our results and performances on smaller pitches versus larger pitches? It feels like we perform better on smaller pitches as it's easy to cover the ground quicker and compress the space. Uh, it used to be a factor for sure um, until, uh, uh, it, so this is a long-term listener, um, until uh, we won the league, um, the season we won the league, it normalised. So we were just brilliant against everybody and it had no relevance at all in terms of uh, points, but it still made a slight difference from pressing. But our pressing numbers were higher on smaller pitches. Um, but maybe that's to do with home and away because Liverpool uh, Anfield is is relatively small compared. It's it's below league, league yes. standard um, size pitch, so there is always that caveat that Anfield is six a six a and the league is seven one forty. Um, so yeah, that's square meters, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah square meters. Um, but uh, since since uh, the middle of nineteen twenty season, it's really not made any difference at all. Um, uh, points against we actually have uh, the number of small pitches has gone down season on season as well as teams have gone down with smaller pitches. Um, teams coming up have got bigger pitches and so it's fairly standard across the board and there's no I, I don't see any correlation these days between uh, between points 
and pictures sadly because i really wish we did then i could figure how we can, <laughs> we, how we, can we need to start something. we need to start winning more points before we can analyze this season <laughs> yeah exactly we're just shit and, it, and, and we're equally shit on big pictures and small ones yeah <laughs> you're one of the only people persons i've ever seen do this kind of uh who's yeah. got these kind of data yeah there's not many people no one else cared that's why and not because because it's a physical thing <clears throat> no it's... one cared to look it it's one it's one of the th- it's one of the things the only things that I regret about our pressing um, stuff that we do is that we don't factor in the pitch size on the coordinates when we do it because um, it was hard enough to try and get the pressing database set up to report on you know but and we had to do because we play half our matches there we've gone with Anfield pitch coordinates and pitch size but you know for for, for our for our um, pressing collection but if you play on a pitch which is 10% bigger those you know when you when you do heat maps and you record the locations of presses it will look yeah. different on a bigger pitch yeah yeah but um yes you can you can you can adjust that off. I mean, it's it's one of those. Yeah, we can of, make some approximations. Yeah, stuff, in a perfect but... world, you could do it, but it it works. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, I've run correlations between numbers in the past, but never, but we've never been able to um, like alter the actual dimensions uh, of of the pressing, so it's so it's accurate. You're going to lose uh, in some cases. I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure which team, but there's one team that has uh, six four. Uh, six thousand four hundred square meters, and there is others in the league. With is it six, Fulham? Six three two eight. It might be Fulham. I'm I'm thinking it's a Yorkshire team. I can't remember who it is. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, Fulham got a small pitch. Yeah, Ellen Road's so, small. So there's like a uh, uh, a thousand square meters difference. So yeah. that's going to make a difference. This a difference to the width of the pitch <clears throat> and where the plots align. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. We uh, just just from from reference to nothing to do with this. Just uh, our academy pitches. We play seven one forty, same as Wembley, um, and we play on. We've played on some pitches with five eight two five. Yeah. Wow. Five eight. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's, that's a thousand square meters less smaller than Anfield. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Jesus. Right. Okay. Um, I've got a question for me, um, um, and I'm also going to bring Barton on this one. It's from C Stat um, on on the Discord. Um, are there any advancements to quantifying off-ball offensive actions that may not result in direct direct scoring output, but could be seen as a successful tactic? Successful runs where you are open, but the ball doesn't get delivered, using movement to eliminate a potential defender, third-man runs, availability for a successful pass. Uh, is it possible to analyse that statistically? Uh, maybe you can uh, describe how you observe these actions when watching the match if it isn't quantifiable. Right, so I guess the good news, Bart, is um, it is... Well, there's good news and bad news. It is quantifiable, yeah. but not in any of the data that's available in public. I was going to say, you, you can't even scrape some of the data that you'd need for that. No. Um, so the what? data that you can get, there's, there's a data that's on RefBreak for that everybody can get, and then there's yeah. data you can get through other means that is your, your coordinates for an event. But in terms of the player positioning, yeah. you need to be inside the tracking. Uh, the, the tracking. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Simon might know this as well, but I think the 
the data is that good now, I'll be surprised if I would be very, I, I would be very shocked if there isn't a way you can look at the running well, movement on that. I mean, I, I, were you on the preseason pod we did with what's the, what's new in analytics we did with Richard Cole? Because we definitely yeah talk, yeah 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 yeah, we we spoke talked, about yeah it's 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 the OptiVision model, the yeah. OptiVision stuff. Because what OptiVision have got, and it's probably a good time to do a recap on this, um, because I think they pretty much answer everything that CSTAT was asking. But the problem is the OptiVision stuff isn't available publicly anywhere. It's proprietary. You have to pay for it if you want to want to use it. So OptiVision is now combination stats perform, who used to be ProZone. Mm-hmm. You want to give us a quick reminder of how ProZone works, uh, but. Oh, I can't remember the number of cameras, but it was uh, they're 16. all top down. How many? 15? 16? 16. 16 cameras top down, uh, track the players around, track all the actions, record um, uh, endless amounts of 25 frames 25 per second. 25 frames per second. And you, it was 16 just, cameras is mad. It's mad. It's just phenomenal amount of data you'd get for this, almost too much. And if anyone ever played two Sensible million, Soccer... Two million, I think, is it? Two million. Yeah, two million, yeah. It yeah. Was, um, anyone who played Sensible Soccer, you're going to get a view like that of a game. Um, okay. And it was... It was pretty outrageous what you could do with it. But yes, so that kind of technology they've bought and incorporated into their other statistical models, so, I would imagine. So they became Stats Perform, also known as Stats, um, and then they bought Opta. And now what they've done is they've combined, um, they layer up the, and there's a brilliant video on how they do it on the Stats Perform website. They layer up their tracking data with the Opta data and they generate these this model called OptaVision. Hmm. And one of the things which are available in OptaVision are, right, first of all, expected pass completion. So um, they attribute a value to every pass attempted in the game based on the probability of the pass being completed. And the model takes into account the location of each player on the field. Um, so the pressure being applied by the defensive team and several other related contextual factors. So there you go straight away, every, you know, your position of all players off the ball is going to be factored into that model of expected pass completion. Yeah. Yeah. Then you've got pass options and availability. Uh, this model is applied to identify the total viable pass options for a player on the ball, as well as establishing which teammates are available to them as a potential receiver. There has been one blog I could find on um, pass options and availability. And it was done by Duncan Alexander. Um, and, you know, Duncan's got his very irreverent take on, on the, you know, he tr- he tries, he doesn't try to nerd out, does he? He tries to make everything funny, doesn't he, Duncan? Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, what he did was he he did it and it made it about all the players who just hog the ball and shoot instead of, instead of never passing. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he did it for two years ago, right? And um, so the 20, 2020, the COVID season, basically, which player in the league do we think had the, the, the who's the worst player for shooting instead of not passing when he had loads of options? Harry um, Kane. Nope, not Harry Kane. Ronaldo. No, no, I don't think he was in the team. I don't think he was in the league at that point. Is he English? Uh, no, no, he's not English. Striker, though, right? N- midfield. Oh. Oh, he takes a lot of long shots from midfield. Um, Ruben Neves? Yeah, Ruben Neves! Uh. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, Ruben Neves' um, average shot had 3.7 players he could pass to <laughs> instead of shooting <laughs> for wow. his one goal outside the box this season. Start. That is a really good start. That is a good start. So, Darth, this links into one of the other questions, you know. Go on. The, the World Cup stuff. Oh yeah, we'll come to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go. That's worth it. That, that's worth a discussion on its own as well. That uh, right. 
on the ones on Optivision quickly, expected threat, obviously. Yeah. Um, um, Bart produces his own version of expected threat. Um, maybe doesn't use potentially all um, all twenty two players off the pitch, but it, it definitely is the same principle, isn't it? Progressing from one zone of the pitch to another zone. Yeah, and that's looking at the chance you're going to create a, a chance from that. Yeah. So it's taking attacking motions, whereas that's like a step one from what you're saying. So you've yeah, got the, the up to one will input the we'll players' look at positions the, in as yeah. well as the, yeah, the and then the threat. the threat lays on top of that by working out or which one of those actually is the most chance to then lead to a goal scoring opportunity or a shot being produced. Yeah, uh, you can nine a nine square grid on each player's position if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's other things that Opta have been able to produce from all this Optivision data. One, um, again, the Duncan Alexander blog, um, it was players who are pressured when they don't have the ball. Um, and when he was doing this article, again, for, for 1920 it was, um, Sadio Mane was top uh, and Bobby Firmino was third. Um, yeah. So they, imagine being that good that you're pressured when you don't even have the ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And there was another the, the one. He... Perfect. The perfect alternative that, to that is Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch? You didn't see it, but like, but basically, France went. Oh, it's Maguire, and they all just wandered off, <laughs> like Leeds did with them. Um, Joe Gomez. Yeah. What's he going to do? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and the other one they did was runs into the box. Um, uh, you know, you can use their data, yeah. their observation data to, to generate how, how how often a player makes a run into the box, irrespective of whether he receives a pass or gets a shot or anything. And in the season, they did this again, 1920, Bobby Firmino was topped by miles and miles. He was about 40% more than the second place player in the list. Uh, Mo Salah was third, Sadio Mane was fourth. Jeez, but that shows you the, yeah. the way we played, right? So okay. the answer to the question is, yes, it's possible, but it's behind a paintball. Yeah, but yeah, does, exactly. Doesn't doesn't that all also, uh, like, uh, <clears throat> is, is is the opposite of, uh, of uh, a, a widely held belief about Bobby? Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. He doesn't make the runs. Or he doesn't get in the box. Yeah. But yeah. the, in this, in what we're doing here, it, it could just be to take runners away, you know, and take markers away, generate space for others, all those things. Yeah. Um, but but so the other one, one, there is another method of the, of this, right? And it's the one that gave us our competitive advantage. I think we can talk about with um, Will Spearman coming in back in the day. What pitch do you mean control. The pitch control. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I suppose, early forerunner for XT, maybe. Yeah, yeah, can. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, which is effectively what we spoke about is looking at where we are on the pitch and what's the most likely route to create the biggest 
Uh, I don't think they would have used XG, but you know what I'm trying to say, that the yeah, opportunity to score... I've got a quote yeah, from go Will Spearman here that he gave to the... who did an interview with LFC, um, the, the official site, you know, when they do those behind the behind the, behind team the scenes. Interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it says, uh, pitch control, basically it's just the regions of the pitch that one player or a team are in control of. Um, so, but the model shows how you can close off space, how you can create space with runs, and it's the fundamental notion of how you control space and how space is valuable. And then we call it off-ball scoring opportunity. Yeah. But the key thing for us was that <clears throat> Will Spearman and, and uh, Gort, um, Ian Graham, sorry, were, they yeah. would model the opposition, yeah, which would then enable us to work out what we could do with our players yeah. more effectively, if that made sense. Absolutely. So they, they use seasons and seasons to then model what they would do and what the, what the zones are. And that's, that was a real competitive edge. That came about it, but it's only one one part of a holistic approach, obviously. Yeah, and well, you know, back you know, um, the number one question I was told by um, somebody who was uh, did their coaching badges back in the day was, uh, you know, number question always ask yourself when you're watching the game, where's the space? That's the number one question to ask if you want to analyze the game tactically. Where's the space? And but you know, I think the difference was is what Will Spearman has done with Liverpool in 2016 onwards was you know we were able to answer that question, we were able to quantify it as well. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not just that, that they that they figured out how you can you, you can um ask a different question. Where do you want the space to be? Oh yeah. Then, and nice. then, yeah. That, that you can create patterns that in three moves time you've created where the space the space where you want it to be. That's the beauty of the model, wasn't it? You could basically input what what you could do and how the opposition would react. Because you're modelling it all the time live, exactly. um, yeah. It, I, honestly, if you, I'd love to be able to see that working like behind the scenes. But it uh, it would have been fascinating to watch. That's a real geeky, nerdy thing to say, but you know, to see what would happen. Right, we're going to pass it here, here, and here, and to see put it in different positions and see what would happen. It'd be phenomenal. But yeah, because well, once you, once you've got that model made, you can test it with all kinds of scenarios. Of course you can. Yeah, of course you can, and you can then play in. And this you could you, you could have, I don't know whether we did, but you can look at right, well, if we play this player in here, is he more likely to put in this, this, this to create this? What's the best to take advantage of these situations? So you yeah. could have played that player. But anyway, that's uh uh soon to be part of our history, I think. Yeah. <laughs> don't say that. Sorry, uh, there was a <laughs> there was a follow-up from C Start as well. Um, and it was just an extension of that. Uh, I think you said I think the majority of action takes place off the ball. And I'm wondering whether he's right. If 90% of a football match is played without the ball, if you're a player, uh, I'm wondering if there are ways to measure it uh, that I'm not aware of. NFL advanced stats have metrics and grades for players who never once touch a ball. NFL is unique and very matchup based, but it would be cool if there's something which would be similar in football. Yes, it would be very cool. See stat. Uh, it does exist. Unfortunately, we can't afford the license to, to look at it. <laughs> yeah. So this is one. What, what you need to do, C-Stat, is lobby Eddie, Eddie Gibbs, at Eddie Gibbs on Twitter, and tell him <laughs> to stop being so cheap and buy us all an Optivision license. <laughs> do we know how much it is? I, I wouldn't. Oh, come on. <laughs> it's going to be five figures, I reckon. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we, we can look after which one, right? But Yeah, <laughs> yeah one between us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's no one's asked it, but um, one question for you, for we have got is: what do we make of the fact that FB Ref changed from um, stats bomb data to Opta, and uh, how does that impact it when you're collecting? 
Because it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? Because we've lost all we've lost all the press there there on board off board. The pressures, yeah. No calories either. Away, pissed me off because I've got a template that have already got nine games in for this season. And yeah. season on season we have four, we're back to seventeen eighteen <clears> that um that all correlates with one another. So uh, you can look at patterns, you yeah. can look at uh, trends, and then they suddenly take away categories, and that really pissed me off. Yeah, yeah, same here. So I was saying it just pissed me off to recode stuff because I was like, what the hell? But um, I don't know. Apart from it, it's weird because we always talk about the differences in data and data sources. And I think using the same data for data source is better. But the the, the pressures, I know we, we talk about it all the time, what it means, but I think it gave you another little another little tool. You know, you could always look at what the off-pipe were doing because we yeah. don't clear pressing for the opposition, whereas you always had that they on F to look at that and the carry. So yeah, I don't know. It's so I, I but I, I know it's been a pain in the arse, Rose, but I know why they did it. I know why FB ref did it. Because they, they wanted coverage. They, 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 they wanted range of they want they, they made a business decision, coverage of leagues versus losing a bit of depth in some of the leagues. Makes sense to me, and I, I don't yeah. believe that it. I don't believe that it lowered their quality, their value at all <clears> in any way. No. It just annoyed me that there were there were like five categories that are yeah. no longer in a spreadsheet. Because they right. get um, one thing they didn't get, I think, was MLS. Believe it or not, from from StatsBomb, they get MLS really? now. Um, they get the Argentinian top to be is it primarily they get the Brazilian top. But they 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 always had Libertadores and stuff. But they get, and they have Portugal now. Remember, remember, we never used to be able to Portugal. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. Play from Portugal. We never get it for that. But advanced data for Portugal, Netherlands, Belgium. What's the women's data like now? Yeah, women's data, more women's data as well from from that mm. as well. So yeah, okay. so I think that you know they made they tried to go for access, haven't they? Accessibility rather than you know depth. Because the, their model is to sell to clubs. That's why. So FB ref is like public service, isn't it? They, they want the opposite. They always want to engage with as many people around the world as possible. No, starts. they have they have an arm that does that too. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, interesting. interesting. There are more ads on the FB ref site now, by the way. There's okay. play, them playable video things that pop up now and again on every page. Oh, so, yeah, that's right. Re- yeah. Yeah. But isn't that ESPN something or? Uh, whatever it is, but you know, it's just yeah. there, isn't it? So, yeah, whereas it wasn't before. No, no, it's not. Can I, can I just finish the previous C stat question? That, um, if, if on the World Cup right now, there are um stuff that answers what he's talking about, the uh, movement to receive is, is a, an off ball statistic that they're quantifying, and um, the type of movements so are running in front of a player going in between players out to in into out um or in behind like that stuff we've never had before off let's, made so to let's receive a pass so let's do the fifa question now then um question was from olkin cole um on on discord uh, fifa have begun creating their own statistics and definitions a part of a football language initiative with the world cup seeing one of the first rollouts of these metrics what do you think of their definitions and would you like to see these used by others? Uh, any that are un- unhelpful and should be replaced? Um, so, Sai, you, you, you've been consuming this heavily, right? So what do you think of the FIFA? I think they're stupid. I think the definitions are absolutely stupid. Really? I I, I think as a good <clears throat> example, right, is to, apart from I have a 15-year-old son, um, which we could talk about his consumption of the World Cup and it would blow your mind. 
Um, but from a, from a language perspective, watching people coach kids and then watching professionals coach and then professionals coach my girls and the language difference that, that uh, is required uh, in each context, in each circumstance is, is vastly different. And they've used pro-license language in these statistics and it, it doesn't carry any, any meaning to general population. So who are FIFA intending to be the target audience of their project? Pro-licensed people, community? Probably to coaches, to be fair. <clears throat> yeah. um, or to the media who don't understand anything because they're just absolute Luddites. Um, like, Jermaine Genius is not going to use this shit. Um, but I, I actually like the content. It's the labels that make no so you think the labels are slightly pretentious, should we say? Yeah. Okay. They're much more easily understandable terms to describe the the statistics that they're um, displaying. Okay. Um, in terms of the content, then, in terms of the data which is in there, um, I I'm guessing, say, si, that you really, really like the physical numbers. I love having access to that. I don't think it means anything to to the average pundit. To uh, I've distance, high speed sprints, yeah, but also more I've, than I've, that as well. I've done I've done interviews with ESPN, with CNN, and with the Guardian in the last week um, on headlines about Messi and his walking um, because they they just care about like they don't care about anything really they just see an out a thing that looks like a big thing that fits a story they already had in their brain they don't understand what any of this stuff means or yeah. the value of any particular component of it yeah. um i love that it's available i've created a couple of uh of models from because it's quite a lot of data position specific norms basically that um so I can I, I add our high quality position players, obviously. Um so I've got nice little radars of uh of what a, what an attacking fullback should should look like from a physical perspective. Nice. Um so yeah, the like that was very handy to have. Interesting. Uh Roti, have you um been engaging much with the FIFA data? I haven't. I've seen bits of it, and I think that I like the uh, the match. Their their post match reports are better than Y Scouts. Um, Excellent. I like how the information is presented, but I'm, I agree with Sai on the terminology. It's a lot of nonsense. Being pretentious. Mm. But they have got one thing. They do have is pressures, and they also have a lots of different types of pressures. They they uh, they've got pressures divi- divided, in, I think, into about four. Ones, and there's ones like the, there's one where they almost like okay they motioned to press and there's another one where they followed through on that and they'd directly gone to press the opponent so this is a level of richness we, we we haven't seen before obviously there's no kind of visuals I don't think I've seen from this roadie just the raw data yeah in tabular format yes yeah although they do have some some visual graphs in their post-match report in the post-match reports yeah oh they've got no they they have got really granular videos if you want to look at them on uh explain everything yeah like with really good examples so i can't i can't argue with the the statistic the the quality of the thing they're offering it's just how they've described it is but it's silly 
Okay. And in answer to the question from um, Olkin Cole, um, you know, this is this is a FIFA, this is FIFA's football language and their data. Um, and what's that? What's that mean? Well, obviously, we've already got up to the oldest. Uh, they their their first definitions of what is a shot, what is a tackle, what is an interception, probably dates back to about two thousand and eight. Um, um, and we've been using it on Anfield Index um, and EPL Index as it was back then. Since probably about a year after that, Rosie, I would have thought when we first got access to that kind of stuff, yeah. trying to understand what Opta said is all their definitions. Yeah, yeah, we all have to learn them. <laughs> Go for a journey, and that's what we've grown up with, really, isn't it? You know, yeah, so yeah. That, that's the oldest one. And then Statsbomb came along, and with their definitions about two thousand and what eighteen, two thousand seventeen, um, and they had some variations there. Obviously, it was very confusing when you know you get. Um, uh, F, uh, you know, opt, uh, stats bombs at aerial duels are different optus. I mean, how can you really be different yeah. counting an aerial duel? But you know, yeah. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. I guess they're the things you've got to be... They're the pitfalls, aren't they, Rosie? When two providers claim to be talking about the same thing and have a different and have a different definition both and have different counts of what, what they are. Yeah. And that's what you ought to be... Very confusing. Hmm. Especially when it's the same, they use the same name, so it's a simpler aerial duel. When hmm. They've got different amounts of aerial duels. It's just like, oh. Yeah. And... Um, and Bart, just to bring you in on this one, um, I mean, when you've got like different sets of KPIs and, you know, people purporting to have similar data sets and not, I mean, how 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 do you reach a point of standardization or is it just like VHS versus Betamax and one of them will die off or Blu-ray versus HD DVD or and then one will go? Yeah, this is, this is kind of the the architectural argument of practice versus theory, you know, you teach a theory saying you ideally want to have an agreed set of KPIs language. So if one understands you're on the same page, but in reality, in practice, there is the VHS, Betamax, Laserdisc, DVD, you know, all of that happening at the same time. So um, you just got to kind of work through it. I think, so I haven't engaged at all with any of the stuff that's been going on recently, but um, the, size point there about language is critical it's what your audience is for Mm. and that's another thing you teach is who are you analyzing for Mm. and i think as we just chatted about the change with sb ref and those they all have slightly different markets 
So yeah. I think within that, I, I do agree there should be, it would be lovely if there was a whole <laughs> set of definitions. You know what I mean? So it was like an aerial jewel is this, a shot is this, XT, whatever you want to call it, is this. Yeah. Um, how you describe that, you can then dress up to meet your audience, you know, yeah. because there are people like Jermaine Genius who needs to have it in, you know, uh, pictures and uh, number blocks. But, you know, Ooh. there are other people like coaches who want to yeah. know it's this, 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 you know. So, mm. but I, I think in an ideal world to answer your question yes there would be an agreed set of kpis within mm. an agreed set of definitions but in reality it just doesn't work like that as you said the, the time scan it, it often run by companies coming in isn't it let's be frank yeah you know opta got in there first said this is what we're going to do we're going to call it this someone else came in and said well hang on a minute we find a slightly cheaper way we're going to call it this you know so it, it changes on but <laughs> until you get a governing body saying, no, actually, we're all going to do this. Yeah. You don't know. Things aren't going to change, but we'll see. Yeah, and that would be my way. I'd, what I'd want to, my, my final word on this one would be that um, ultimately FIFA are the world governing body. Um, American sports make all their data for their leagues um, free to air, free, um, you know, free for the public, um, mm. or via the, you know, MLB.com and NFL.com, and, and all, et cetera. So it's all out there. Um, and if, if FIFA really wanted to, they could they could say well we're rolling this out across every league in the world every competition yeah. Yeah. and then here here everybody here's a pot of money to implement oh you need to collect you know in your in your leagues and stuff like that and this is the new standard and and if they wanted to and there's not much really that Opta and Statsbomb could do about it I don't think <laughs> no you you could pretty much wipe them out overnight yeah because people have got so much fucking money as we know yeah <laughs> yeah. It'd just but, be the buy-in, wouldn't it? What, what's in it for yeah. the leagues to use it, isn't it? You know, because they are all in power. They're their own companies now, aren't they? You know, it, yeah. uh, Premier League is a company in its own, own right. Mm. So, but no, you mm. think you're right, yeah. All right, okay. A couple of things on that. Can I uh, quickly the the terminology and the type of data that they use um, is you you talk about standardization, um, which. If it, say FIFA were just to to um, take over and just put out their own data, like MLB does, whatever, um, like I'm all on on board with that. But just in this example at this World Cup is the perfect example of the flaw in in their system is that they have they run per nineties for uh, players and for teams, and they couldn't be further from from accurate right now because. Um, with uh, 113 minute games against some games that had 92 minutes, uh, that that's you know 12 percent difference that you're going to sway a player's passing rate or the shots per or xG per or through balls per 90, like just because they aren't actually counting the minutes that they're playing. Mm, that's that's yeah. a big significant change. Right, that- you're doing a great job of segueing here. So I love this. <laughs> now, brilliant. Because, you know, absolute perfect segue into the question for Bart's from Brad. I, I wonder how big an impact it would be if we stopped or lesson, lessened our use of per 90 stats and compared players using ball in playtime only. For example, if one, att- one attacker plays in a team where the ball is in play 65% of the time and player B believes team is 52%, they may have comp- comparable numbers but per 90, but intuitively you would assume that player B was better for everything when everything is adjusted to being equal. And I think it's a really 
it's a really interesting argument. Is this the next progression to normalise um, performance data? Um, is it to go to, with, can I just say before we actually just congratulate Sai on being one of the most brilliant innovations I've seen in the last seven years, which, which was the um, per hundred touches, Sai. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rather than per 90 minutes, uh, this definition per hundred touches, absolutely sensational. Just just removes the team's possession from the argument and it gives them a personal... <clears throat> yeah, based on opportunity, yeah, yeah. Yeah, particularly around like creative stuff. Yeah, like, when you're talking creative players, that's that's a huge normalizer. Hmm. So yeah, so but um, but do you think yeah. that ball and play time is the next way to normalize performance data for players? So I think I showed you earlier. I, I had a go at doing this. Did you? Um, I did. Yes. Uh, so I, I've got come up with two other. I'm not, not saying these are any good. I'm just, I've just proposed, I've just, one of them I think is all right. And one of them I'm like, well, where the hell have I done there for? But anyway, so I looked at, um, someone's going to kill me, but I haven't, I haven't got the exact minutes for a player's right. So I looked at their average minutes played in the league. Okay. And I took into account the average possession a team has, and you can adjust that to a stat. Okay. Um, and I looked at how that affected their their stats on four key. I've, I've got XT, I've got XG, I've got XA, XA, sorry, and in progressive passes. Okay. So I'll put the vis in there as always. Uh, I've got the raw on there. I've got uh, the traditional per 90, should we say. And then I've got, um, so I've called it possession adjusted or, you know, for the, for the player. Um, and I've also tried to have a go at doing it for, the time the player has, so mm. rather than per ninety for the time the players, and that hasn't. I need to do something else with the calculation. Right, <clears throat> right. But my my takeaway from looking at the viz, okay, is your your best performers still hit the top of the graphs. All right. So I've got this with ten players. I've got two two fullbacks. I've got uh, three forwards and three midfielders. Things like that. Um, and they they still the the the. The bit in the middle, should we say, the not your top performance, that's where it makes a bit of a difference. And if you do possession adjusted, people like uh, Roberto Firmino, um, Henderson, Harvey, their levels come up closer to your top performance. Should we tell you what XG, XT, sorry, your top performer inside is, is uh, Trent and Robbo. Yeah. Uh, if you look at it raw wise, there are players that are just way off. If you look at it per 90, um, everyone else drops off to uh, 0.1, 0.2 below the top two performers. But when you uh, adjust it for, as I said, per their time and per the team's possession, they all shrink into about a 0.25 uh, difference, um, which just, I think it, I think it normally. So what I'm trying to say is, yes, I do think there is more in this. Um what I've got isn't perfect, but I do think it gives you a better sense about what the player is doing in the time they are on the pitch and equally of the possession the team has at that in that game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, that's I'll put that is in there. But yeah, I, I think it helps you identify the not your top, because they're always going to be the top players, but the 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 wheat, if you like, some of the wheat from the chaff. 
brilliant. Rosie, um, why scout have ball in playtime, famously, don't they? Because I remember I did it early mm. in the season and got um, um, loads of Newcastle fans spam, <laughs> giving me <laughs> loads of abuse for a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> do they actually do a league table or anything like that of ball in playtime for the team? Right. Or do you, is it only in the individual match reports? In, I can only find it in individual match reports unless Bill knows different. No, you can only get it in an individual match. You can download a whole season for a team. Yeah. But then you'd have to sell you'd have to compile it yourself, picking yeah. out that start for every single team. Well, one thing I do know as well is that the last three seasons, Premier League.com has published a um a table of ball and playtime for their for the, you know what you could you know you could you could use an, you could use that as an assumption based model there. Um so you could say like City is 58 minutes, Liverpool's 57 minutes, Newcastle's 47 minutes, and you could do an approximation based on that. I don't think you'd be a million miles off, would you, with individuals well, within that team? Minutes. And Stokes yeah. is 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Right. Okay. Uh, Rosie, um, specifically for you, <laughs> for Mega Bomberman, uh, nice, nice easy one, uh, a deep dive into Fabinho pre and post summer would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I bet it would. I mean, <laughs> right, with the caveat, defensive stats are yes. difficult. Anything that you want to really call out on this? Well, it's the beauty of the heat map because the heat map tells quite a lot. I, not something I've really noticed, but if you look at his heat map this season compared to um, last season and his career. Touch heat map. It's in the, I'll, I'll post it, it's in the, from... Um, Fancy football scout. Football scout, yeah. He's <clears throat> more focused on the right in the centre rather than full pitch coverage, which is is overall heat map last season and previously. He's like a full pitch of heat. You know, we all know the Fabinho performances where, he's, mm. where his coverage is huge, whereas this season he's focusing on the right. Um, so that's that was interesting. His, what, one defensive flaw this season I found is his aerial duel rates dropped to 50%. Um, oh, really? Obviously incredibly tall, and that's from 65. He's also attempting fewer, which is 1.6 to 2.3, so that's quite big as well. So he needs to be up in his uh, aerial dual game. Um, he used to be crucial for us, the two centre-backs and Fabinho having above 65%. Yeah. That was something massive. Um, he's attempting fewer tackles, but it's only just. And his winning rate this season of tackles is actually higher and as high as it's been, uh, 66 to 50% last season. He's making fewer interceptions, fewer recoveries, um, but more clearances. He hasn't made any on-the-ball errors. Um, and actually, it's his second-best season for being dribbled past, so he gets dribbled past 1.1 a game compared to yeah. a, high of, a high of 1.8 in his second season. It's worth point, it's worthwhile pointing out that defensive midfielders are the most dribbled past players in all yeah. Of Europe, yeah. in all European competitions, they're always the highest. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast. <clears throat> His actual tackle success rate is poor this season. Um, for the tackles, the fewer tackles that he is making, it's 34 percent compared to an average of fifty. In his best season, but his possession's normal; it's within his range, um, and he's also shooting a lot less. Only not point three a game compared to not point eight last season. We all know how uh, good he can strike a ball, so. Yeah, um, I think again with Fabinho, I've done the pressing this season, and it's by far the worst season I've seen for his. Yeah, definitely on the pressing, <laughs> definitely. I can remember across a two-game span, I think he conceded three shots from failed presses. So um, it's not. I remember one of the games you said it was um, 
he 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 done a Milner esque press in one of the games that he was that bad. He he hadn't even reached the player. He was that slow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he motioned, and then the player was already past him before he even reached him. So yeah, this is this is a perfect. I think it's perfect. Him and him, well, him in particular, where you you, you want the physical data, you want to see how much he's running. Um, he's not covering as much of the ground, um, and you, and we've seen him not get to balls, but. I, this again, there's not that much in his. It's just his his success rates of his aerial duels yeah. and his uh, on ball duels of all down. Definitely post those heat maps in the in the in the Discord afterwards, Rose. That'd be brilliant. Yeah. Can I add that his possession control is down from six point nine to three point one seven? Now that's the ratio between possession wins and possession losses. Yeah. Okay, that seems like a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Um, question for you, which is basically sports science monitoring, right? So from Sean Gadu uh, on, on Discord, when it comes to physical drop-offs, what signs would the sports science be looking at to predict players? Uh, could this, And then specifically, could the sports science teams have predicted Fabinho looking so off, for example? So what, 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 what are the kind of things that you monitor in sports science looking for things going, you know, changing in the player physiologically and stuff? Yeah, so uh, every day there'll be uh, a readiness monitoring. So, uh, so each club has has their own uh, system, the, the things that they're tracking. But um, everybody will be monitoring the sleep, sleep quality, sleep time. Um, uh, everybody will be monitoring a thing called RPE um, received uh, uh, RPE right perceived exertion. Yeah, rate of perceived exertion. I was thinking that doesn't sound right. Rate of perceived, perceived exertion from so they give they give a, a rating out of one one out of ten out of every um, uh, training session at the end of every training session, and that correlates with uh, their heart rate data and their predictive. Uh, so internal and external load. Internal load is their heart rate. External load is how much running they did. Um, which is quantified by GPS. So they look at um, all of those factors, uh, uh, so internal, external, and how they feel perceived, uh, rate of perceived exertion. So you see how that correlates, how hard does it feel related to how hard it was internally, externally. Um, they will do a couple of probably uh, jump tests in the morning. So uh, maybe a counter movement jump, which is basically you stand still, bend your knees and jump, jump as high as you can, or a drop jump, which will be off a, a set box height. So maybe 24 inches, you'll drop off a box and jump in the air as, and as quickly as you can off the floor. And you'll, there'll be standardized uh, numbers for each player. So, um, whatever is normal, and they will be looking for deviations of 5% or more of those. And you start to get flagged once you have three um, different, uh, three of those metrics changed by 5% or more. Um, and so, yeah, you're looking for those things. That's when that's, that's the predictor of, uh, of injury, but also uh, stress or fatigue or, any of those things. The, the, there'll be a couple more. They'll, they'll have maybe have a groin bar test where they stick this thing in between your knees and you have to squeeze it really tight. Um, that's a great uh, predictor of um, neuromuscular um, fatigue, central nervous system fatigue, and uh, heart rate variability is another one. How how the everyone's seen an ECG is basically the um, the difference between the RSTQ curve. Um, so the beginning of the blip and the mountain and the end of the blip 
before it goes flat again. Um, that, that, that everybody has a unique signature and um, that changes depending on your stress levels. So, and fatigue is a stress. So yeah, they look at all of those things and then, um, and then they, they see when you're not normal. And if they didn't predict you, you'd be not normal because they've, uh, you've got a specifically tough training period. So they're, they're hoping for a positive ad- adaptation. Then, um, it's, it's, they can predict that you're going to get injured or you're going to, your, your, your performance is going to go down because of it. Does that make sense? A lot of work. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. So basically, we we track players so closely, so they they will know. The club will know Everything. whether it's physical declines. Yeah, but they just won't say it publicly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you, Sai. Uh, quick one from me on from Shamik. Um, so on UP, you covered Darwin's goals to expected goals numbers reaching one hundred percent. I remember you guys covering Mo's level of overperformance during his crazy season, and one greater than 120% would be considered elite finishing. How do forwards perform in this regard? So, really good question. Um, yeah. So, what I did was um, I I looked at the pretty much the elite 20, what would regard as be the 20 best finishes of the last five years. And... Um, just to get just to get some benchmarks for this um, and what 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 is good and what is elite right so um even there is only one player who has gone a full season right without underperforming their expected goals in a single season only one player major forward sorry yeah uh, um anybody want to have a guess who that is um in the Premier League, no, no Europe top five leagues. Say, say it again, Darth. Only okay. one player, right? Five full seasons, right? Yeah. Only one player has had a positive. Is overperformed his xG in every single season. Every other player has a, has at least one season where Vardy. his actual has been less than is expected. Who did you say? Vardy. Nope. Haaland. It is Haaland. Ah. Uh. Even Messi, five even Messi, even uh, Messi, he had some low numbers. Even Messi had a, a, a has had a minus four point nine in uh, four point nine under his xG. Um, uh, for, but anyway, point is there are some absolutely wild ranges on elite finishes, right? Benzema, right, has it was plus nine point three last season, over expected, which is incredible, really, really hot. Uh, just by Mo Salah, um, it's got the second best season. I could find in terms of outperforming expected goals. He was in seventeen eighteen. He was eleven point three above expected. Uh, With but no Benzema, pens and no pens. Yeah, and Karim Benzema was seven and a half. Another season he's had in the last five years. He was seven and a half under his xG. Lewandowski had a season where he was seven point nine under his xG, and he's had another one where he was eight point seven over, which is just elite. Again, um, Messi's got the best season eighteen nineteen when we beat him four nil at Anfield. Uh, he was 17.4 goals above his XG. That's the be- biggest and oh, crazy, right? Mo's, Mo's, yeah, Mo, Mo's had a couple slightly below zero, right? Anyway, so what happens is when you aggregate it all together, very, very, very good forwards have a ratio of 1.1 goals for every one XG. So right on this limit are 
Kylian Mbappe, uh, Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane, they're all at that level, right? A very few players get close to 1.2, um, 1.2 goals for every XG. Um, Harry Kane is at that level. Um, let me just find the file, sorry. Um, Harry Kane's there, Sergio Aguero, Christopher Nkunku, and Chiro Immobile, the Lazio striker, I believe it, but he's, he's, got, he's consistently good. <clears throat> in XG, and there are three players who, over a long period of goal, at least sixty non-penalty XG, uh, are, are higher than one point three. Anybody want to guess who the top three are? Diego Costa. No. I, have you already said Messi? I can't remember yet. Yeah, Messi's one of them. Messi's at one point three. Messi has got one hundred and fifty-two goals from one hundred and seventeen expected. Yeah. No, Lewandowski is is lower than Sadio. He's just over one. Okay. Uh, he's one point zero four. I mean, is, is is it too early for Haaland to be in there? Yeah, Haaland yeah. is one point three. Haaland is second. Haaland has got ninety four goals from sixty nine expected. So he's one point three six. The player who's top is one point four two. Right, he's got ninety six goals from sixty eight expected. Wow. Well, I guess who that is. You got a league? Son. Son Hyung Min. Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh. Yes, I. Right. Great now, guess, he is the only player as well. Uh, he he is zero for this season. He's bang on his XG so far this season. So he's not exceeding it. So that, technically, that's why my Haaland was the answer to the previous question. But yeah, gotcha. Son Hyung Min and, um, and um, yeah, and Haaland are the top two. Uh, Ronaldo, uh, just for lols, is the only player of the elite forwards who's under his XG. Was it 125 from 125.9. So there you go. What you be? Oh, and the question was about Nunes originally. Nunes is currently too too few in his career to to make any firm conclusions. But overall, he is uh, 46 goals from 40 expected, um, which is 1.15, which is a really good start. Um, but he's and he, he's bang on it for Liverpool. He's minus point two. He's fraction under. Um, but obviously he had that massive overperformance last season for for Benfica when he was nine point five over as is expected. So, but if even if he comes back a bit to be the same level as Mo and Sadio, you're still looking at one point one is is the level you want to be looking at. Yeah. Good question. Excellent. Right, and a couple of fun ones to finish off for the three of us. Right from Frank Football. Um, midfield profile that it would improve the squad, improve the squad, um, cruncher, buzzer, and spreader. Sigh, to quote the manager, S. Right. So, question is for, for who is the archetypal cruncher, buzzer, and spreader that we would benchmark against? Sigh, come on. Interesting. I reckon spreader is, is got to be Cruz or Tiago. <clears throat> Or Jabby Alonso? Oh, I suppose. But, yeah. like, yeah. What, yeah. I don't know what the whole we got the data, for. data was like when Jabby was playing still. Yeah. So, Spreader would, yeah, t- t- Tony Cruz or... Yeah, it'd be, it'd be Cruz or Thiago, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, Cruncher. Uh, Cruncher would be... Reno Gattuso. Yeah, oh, historically, are we talking, or, or are we actually talking running statistics? Because we, yeah, we, 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 have have to, we could reasonably get data for. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I currently in the world right now, I'd go Rodri. Would you? Yeah. Isn't he a centre back? Nice. 
<laughs> he's near centre back. <laughs> who, who else? Who else would be in there? Declan Rice, Tuchemene. Oh, or Tuchemene. Tuchemene, I would have said. Yeah. They, they, they play. They play as a six, but are they crunchers? That's what I'm asking. I, I, too, too, I too many was really physical, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I'm going to say I, Rodri I, I plays a cruncher. Rice is a buzzer. Do you? No, he's not fast enough yeah. to be a buzzer. He's not fast. He put, he put, uh, Jude Bellingham's the buzzer. He runs a lot. He gets up and down the pitch a lot. And he Jude Bellingham's the, the buzzer. So is Hendo. Well, Hendo was the buzzer, but uh, um, Jude Bellingham, Bellingham is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's the archetypal cruncher then? Any, anybody other shouts? Oh, for historically, it would be Steve McMahon. Roy Keane. Oh, I was going to say Mascherano, but, you know, there you go. But, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Patrick yeah. Vieira. For a cruncher. David Batty. David Batty. Batty. And the buzzer. Who are the right, best buzzers? Here we go. Here we go, right? Here we go. David Batty, Neil Webb, Brian Robson. <laughs> Brian Robson being the buzzer. Yeah, they're, they're shit versions of a cruncher, a spreader, and a buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> Byron Robson wasn't shit. No, no. Well, <laughs> oh, no, he mostly enough. was because he was injured. But <laughs> and I think in terms of Frank's question, midfield profile that would improve the squad. I think obviously in modern parlance, the spreader where, spreader is Enzo Fernandez. The crunch is he? Is, is he? Yeah. Is Enzo? Is Enzo the passer? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, the cruncher is Moises Casido, and the buzzer is Jude Bellingham. That's a fair. Take that midfield. Take that midfield, <laughs> <isn't> you? <laughs> you, you, you've got rotations there as well, because I think Enzo can drop in as a six as well. Yeah, but only yeah, definitely. Yeah. He is the passer though, isn't he? But he's the passer, yeah. It's like Thiago can play a six as well. Yeah. He has the right position, but yeah. Yeah. Right. And final one from NFI. Um if you could only track one metric from now, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> Rosie, I know what yours is. Big chances. Yeah. <laughs> Mainly because it's understood you can talk to fans about it yeah. who are, aren't interested in stats, and it's kind of something it conjures up a picture in your mind of what chances, and it's a good stat. Whereas if you say XG, they're going to say, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Um, oh, someday. I agree, because it's, um, it's, the, it's the original proxy for an expected goals model. You know, exactly, it's good enough. Yeah, it's, it's good exactly enough. It's good. Um, and if. I think if we can get our big chance conceded down to fewer than one, which we did in the title season, um, then we'll definitely finish top four. If it stays at the current level of 2.75 a game at home and three every single match away from home, we haven't got a chance of... We probably won't even finish top six if it carries on like it has been. Yeah. Now, Sai, you are the man who collects everything. We've seen your sheets. <laughs> if you, from now on, you can only you've only room on your sheet to collect one metric. Which one is it? For a player, oh, to play your team. Is it distance? Is it sprints? No, because they're not. They're, they're, they're no. I like they aren't game changers. Um, is it? Is it pitch control or possession control? For Liverpool, it might be possession control, yeah. Or progression. No, no, because I... possession control is no, no. What was the one you did? It was the one that you did a metric of possession control. I'm sure you did progression versus. 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Progressive progressive meters per, per um, forget, progression <clears throat> possession control. Yeah, I've got a graph. With there was a ratio of the two. Oh, and the other two. one, XG, XG build per 100 touches. Yeah. XG build per 100 touches and XG chain, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I don't know. I don't know what stat I keep. I really don't know one stat I would keep at all. <clears throat> I, I, I'm going with possession control because it's the only one I have that nobody else does. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think it tells a story. That makes perfect sense as well. It does, yeah. yeah. It does. So, I mean, um, but is there is there one metric to rule them all? I t- yeah, it's besides going with it. I think that's a very good, very good uh, metric for me. Yeah, I, I'm similar to Rodeo. He's not the one I would have gone for. I'm a sh- I expected him to go for that, but mine is the is shot quality reduction for the Oppo. So, because I think that's, that gives us an indication that we did, we're reducing them to better, to lower quality chances and then mm. inversely us increasing the quality of our chances. So that would be the metric because uh, that would show we put, we're, our pattern of play is producing better quality chances. That's, that's the way we look at it. And then our defensive X pattern of play, we do it. Pardon? X got difference. Yeah. Um, I thought you were going to, in theory, if the, if it was caught with full confidence in it, we would say XT expected threat but we've got concerns about it's oh, i want to see that for a bit longer yet. yeah i yeah, want to see exactly. it a bit longer for, for right here right now this question what is it in terms of what we attract to improve liverpool i think yeah the three we've discussed are probably the I one if we were will spearman and we had off ball possession yeah we wouldn't be here yeah um mine would be um ultimately it's about what happens in both boxes and yeah, I, yeah. I, I would be, I'd bring back saveability, say. Yeah. I'd bring back saveability. And, right, look at right, them, yeah. and yeah, and you'd look at everything from the perspective of um, XG2 or, 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 uh, post, or post-shot XG. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think my, my most valuable uh, stat for, for Liverpool this season, the change in, would be the difference between XG and XG2. The more we're adding to XG, the better. The more yeah. we're the more we're diminishing the opposition, the better. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, linked. we're all linked. I still think the player which is most important to the match result is the goalkeeper. So if I could only have one, it would be post shot XG. And then you can morph from that into what we used to do with saveability. What was that website called that was around for a couple of years? No, it was, um, I think that's probably why they, they, they got, so, it was Sportify, not Spotify, oh, Sportify. Sportify, yeah. yeah. Back in the day. Sportify.io. Yeah. yeah, and then they, that's probably why they got shut down because they were a bit too close to Spotify. <laughs> right, yeah. that is it. We got a couple we didn't get to, but apologies if you were, um, uh, we didn't get to your question, but I think, it, we, you know, I thought it was really good. Um any final any any other business from anybody? No, I'm just looking forward to getting the proper football back, as I said. Yeah. Ten days till Man City. That's <laughs> not the proper football. <laughs> even Sai is gonna be <laughs> tell you what, it's gonna be we're so desperate for Liverpool matches, even Sai is gonna be watching the Carabao. <laughs> I watch the Carabao like I watch England, hoping desperately none of our players get injured. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, we will be back um, for the Villa game. Some point we're going to work off the Christmas schedule, but we will be back about the 27th. Um, until then, 
And this is the last time I'll speak to you before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, And we will speak to you soon. Up the Reds. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.